it's Friday, April 3rd at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Even though some <laughs> motherfucker try and say, Eastern Daylight is different. It should be what you're using. Bitch. Suck, Suck my, my dick. From the back. Well, yeah. It's day number 1003 of the quarantine. <laughs> and we're recording, letting you guys know in case, you know. We are live. In case someone finds this footage in the future somewhere. <laughs> like shit. That's what it feels like, honestly. <laughs> that is what it feels like. Like, a part of me doesn't really want to talk about it because I know people are trying to, like, find, escape. like, escape. But at the same time, like, we can't not talk about it. But maybe we should talk about the fact that the last time we uploaded was in December 2019. Sheesh! That seems so long ago, right? <laughs> I know it's insane. I don't know what episode number this is because uh, I, mean, I don't know either. I think it's. I don't even want to try. Yeah, it's episode but, whatever. But we're back, guys. Um, we're back. We're doing this um, social distancing style. Yes, for sure. We are actually recording through what is this Zoom? Mm-hmm. Um, so Myra's at her house. I'm at mine. You know, normally you guys are used to us being together. In together. A, but uh, we decided what better time to come back than during a pandemic when the world is ending. Like, that's perfect for us. Yeah, let's just remind you of more death. And it's anti-social murder club. What's more anti-social than being quarantined in your house because you can't leave because you might die? Exactly. What's it's, more antisocial than only communicating via apps and then actually going to see each other? What a time. <laughs> to be, be alive. alive. <laughs> a lot has happened since December. Uh, let's see. What's going on? The weekend dropped some new music to Chris and the sure End of the Bad uh, Bunny dropped a fire album. Yes. This shit is still on rotation in my house. <laughs> Chef kisses everywhere. Yes. 13 out of 10 in my book um tiger what's his name tiger king tiger king joe exotic um is currently in jail um a part of me said free him because he's innocent but another part of me said fuck him for being racist on yeah. video and um but carol baskin definitely did it yep she, she definitely did. killed her husband and fed him to a fucking tiger <laughs> both of them need to be up in that jail it shouldn't just be joe exotic but see but okay so hear me out Yes. Joe Exotic might be racist, yes, but like it's more than obvious that the other dude—I forgot his name—like set him up to go to jail because he was just tired of his shit. Oh, the one who took over. Yeah, at the end, yeah. I forgot his name. But I mean, come on—if anyone deserves deserves to be in jail, first of all, Doc Antle deser- deserves <laughs> deserves to be in jail because this motherfucker is a fucking pedophile. Yep. Like, how do you get on camera for a Netflix series and admit that every single girl that you met was fresh out of high school? Like, yep. how did you not see the conflict here, sir? Like, mm-hmm. ooh, that was a wild ass documentary. And I feel like we were the first ones to watch it. Yeah, I did too. I saw it, so it wasn't just me. Because yeah. I felt like we were watching it, and then maybe like a week later, a week the internet blew up. Yep. I was like, we've been watching this shit. Exactly. Oh, well, I but guess, yeah. um, is that enough catching up? <laughs> did you guys miss us? I don't... I hope you missed us. We missed we miss you. you. Yes. Yeah, you never let me forget that um, I decided to take a break from the podcast. <laughs> I mean, we all did. Yeah, we, but I was definitely more like, oh, I don't really want to do this right now. <laughs> hey, look. Like I said in our little, what is it, iOS? Uh, press release. Press, press release. Yeah, iOS press release. We were both dealing with a whole lot of shit, and it true. was the best thing to do at the time. So This is true. Yeah. So, all right. So, um, guys, we're back per usual with two cases. Mm-hmm um one case each yes one case each i don't know if we talked about um well no we didn't even talk to each other about it so this time it's gonna be a complete surprise whether or not we are on the same page or not yep um i think the i know your case just because we were planning on doing like a comeback for christmas oh yeah but so um, my case is christmasy but mine is not at all 
Mine is like one of the uh, archives I have in my computer. All right. Well, Myra pulled something from the vault. Should we get started then, I guess? Was that the intro? Well, no, we didn't say. This is... Oh, shit! Anti-social murder club! Well, um, I mean, if you clicked on this, you knew what the fuck it was. But exactly, we t- it's been so long, we forgot how to do this here. But sure did. Um, oh, you know what else is happening in murder news? Because this is a case that I've been wanting to do for a while of, of Vibes Cartel. So mm, yeah, I just his, heard his appeal got denied this morning. Yeah, I mean, I still want to do that case. Murder people. We don't know if he really did it or not. But do we? <laughs> I feel like that's because it's like Jamaican, so it's like you have to side. But it's like, but I'm not Jamaican. You like, <laughs> yeah, but Caribbean, West Indian, it's like a culture. I. It's just because there's a lot of see. This is why we need to do an episode. I will start my research or finish my research, should I say? But there's a whole lot of like different ways this story could go there's a whole lot of conspiracies behind it um and one thing that uh, that makes sense to me is jamaica like the states doesn't really like dance hall music like how the states doesn't like hip-hop you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. even though it's the most popular music and the most profitable music the powers that be don't really like it right Right. And they have, um, you know how like we have hip hop police, they have kind of like the same thing when it comes to dance hall and they be shutting down concerts, yeah. all kinds of stuff. So a lot of people feel like they're just trying to make an example of him because he's like yeah. one of the most influential um, artists in the dance It's kind of like what they said with like Tupac and Biggie, where it was mm-hmm. like, oh, they killed him off because like, yeah. So yeah. Jamaica was like, oh, we don't do that. We'll just throw right. him in jail. <laughs> Right. I mean, but he then still there's... has a phone in jail, apparently, because he'd be going on IG Live. I follow him <laughs> on Instagram, yes. <laughs> and then, like, he still be dropping music like um, like uh, Gucci Man was when he was locked up. So, I don't know. But that's a case for another day. I will try to do the research I mean, on that, but it's a lot. quarantine, we figured out Zoom. There's nothing to stop us. We got cases on cases on cases. This is true. This is true. There's honestly, there's no excuse. So y'all hold us accountable if I ever say I don't want to do this no more. <laughs> I also want to say that since we're on quarantine, y'all have no excuse but to interact with us on the social medias now. Yes. Although there's like a good handful that have. Like mm-hmm. since we've been gone, like a lot of, have personally DM'd me, which was like. You? No one's DM'd yes. me. Personally DM'd me to say that they like missed the show. And I was just like, oh, where'd you find me? <laughs> Hell, you must be the favorite then. Don't nobody DM my ass. It's like, no. <laughs> anyway. I feel like they probably know that, like, if they contact me, they'll, like, con- like, you know? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just we love y'all. nice to we know that they reach out to us in general. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, all right. I'm still wanna- surprised people can, like, hear us for, like, an hour on end and not get tired of our shit. <laughs> so true. <laughs> all right. So, are we doing this? Yes. Let's get started. All right, perfect. So my story is from June 5th. Well, this, the murder occurred June 5th of 2018. So like almost two Ooh, years ago, which fairly is fairly new case. Fairly new. Um, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. So Kenosha, if y'all watch that 70s show, shout out Wisconsin. Nia, I know you don't watch it, but still. I do watch that 70s show. Oh, for real? Yes, it's The Office I don't watch. Bitch. <laughs> you need to watch. What? What? See, you need to watch The Office. Y'all keep you? you Like, I promise you, because, like, my brother said the same thing you did. He said the same, and then he watched it, and that's the only show he watches now. Like, over and over and over again. (sighs) You have to, especially where we work, Nia. Like, you will, it's, like, perfect. Perfect. I guess. You have to watch it. Y'all been trying to get me to watch this forever. Yes. What better time than now? What, like, what do you have to do, Nia? Please. Play The Sims. Bitch. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So it's June 5th, uh, 2018, Kenosha, Wisconsin. It's 5 a.m. 
So a call is placed to 911 about a house fire in a neighborhood. So the operator, of course, answers the name of the homeowner, Randall Philip Volar III. It's either Volar or Volar. I don't fucking know because I don't know English. Um, but he went by Randy. It sounds like those those sweatsuits we used to wear back in the day, Valor. <laughs> <laughs> so once the fire is put out, the uh, search for evidence in the house begins. So there are bottles of alcohol everywhere. Um, there are multiple hotel room keys. And um, after searching like his credit card statements that were in the house, it showed an Uber receipt from Milwaukee to Randy's house in Kenosha, which is about give or take an hour's ride. So an hour hours ride uber that like sounds expensive as fuck i don't know about you yes so um they track down the uber driver they speak to him and he describes the passenger of that same ride as a short black girl named crystal so uh neighbors reported that there was usually a bmw in the driveway of volar's house um but the bmw wasn't there so the car was actually found abandoned like hours later in Milwaukee and a receipt inside the BMW led police to a family dollar store where security footage revealed that four teens had been in the BMW after the murder took place. One of them said he had a sister named Crystal Kaiser. So police search Facebook for a Crystal Kaiser and they come upon a profile um, of a 17 year old young slender black looking girl not black looking black girl um who uh resembled that of the description from the uber driver um so they noticed that crystal had actually posted a picture the same night of the fire in kenosha at around 3 10 a.m and the selfie the cap uh the caption was my mugshot and then behind her was actually a set of curtains and the police immediately recognized the curtains as those that were inside of Philip's um, house. So things are starting to add up here, but not really. Mm -hmm. So three days later, police raid Crystal's uh, 20-year-old boyfriend, Delaine Nelson's house. Um, They were living together. So again, she's 17, her boyfriend is 20 years old. Um, And she actually had gone on Facebook Live and talked about a stolen BMW that she had given to her brother and showed off a gun. And, like, on that Facebook Live, she said she didn't want to shoot anyone else. Bloody, bloody, blah. So it was all, like, adding up to she was at the house. She knew what happened. She shot him. So she was immediately taken to jail. And her bail was set at $1 million. So in Wisconsin, you can only get out of jail if you pay the full amount. So who the fuck has a million dollars? Yes. Damn. Like, that's the only way you can get bonded out, which don't make no sense to me. And I'm, I don't know if I've read differently, but this is what I read on the Washington Post. Oh, yeah. By the way, all this came from the Washington Post. I didn't say that in the beginning. Okay. <laughs> gave you all the deets. Yes. So, with Crystal in jail, the investigation as to what exactly happened that night of June 5th, well, the morning of June 5th, started so here's what we know so far so i'm gonna have to go per usual go back to the very beginning how everything happened so it'll be kind of all over the place it'll but then it'll circle back to the very end so just keep put put a pin in it (laughs) put a pin in it keep up with my tipsy ass (laughs) all right what are you drinking today um sangria it's like, I got it from Target for $5. Okay, Target. Right. And I like, well, this is like a really big ass glass. I don't know if you can tell by the size. What kind of, know, um, like, I can see you in both oh, my cameras true. here. Okay. <laughs> um, I forgot the brand. Okay. It's like, I don't mind bad. a sangria sometimes, but you know me. This one tastes like fucking juice, but it's 12% alcohol, which is like mm. for a wine, it's up there. But it tastes delicious. Hmm. Help you get through this uh <laughs> this quarantine. Literally, this is my fourth bottle of wine this quarantine. Like I've drank in the whole four bottles. <laughs> 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 All right, I'm sorry. Got off track. All right. So let's start off with Crystal um and her beginning and everything. So she was uh actually not from 
Mil- what is it? Wisconsin. Sorry. She was not from Wisconsin. She was born in Gary, Indiana to a teen mom. Her mom was 16 years old, I believe, when she had her. And she was actually a very extremely talented child. Um, and by junior high, she had earned a spot in a performing arts academy where she chose orchestra as her specialty. So her teen years were actually like pretty good. Like they were starting off very good. Like she had a stable home and all that. But her mother, her mother got into a relationship with an abusive boyfriend who would beat her and moved on to like abusing the kids. So uh, Crystal, her two sisters, her brother and mother all moved to Milwaukee trying to flee from that abusive boyfriend and they had to stay in a shelter for months before being able to find an apartment. So they had to go to a new city, a new state, to a fucking shelter. So it's like everything overnight just changed for her. It went from like being great to being complete shit, not knowing what was going to happen next. Mm-hmm. By this time, um, of course, because of this turmoil, all the kids started rebelling. Crystal's brother was stealing cars, and Crystal started skipping school with her boyfriend that she met, Delane, um, the one that was three years older than her. Um, and he was also abusive towards her. And of course, looking for a way out and out of desperation, Crystal, who was then 16 years old, posted an ad on Backpage. Whoa. So, Yeah. And it was crazy because I read that, like, her reasoning for that post or whatever was to buy um, school supplies and food, which is fucking heartbreaking. Wow, you got to do that just for school supplies and food? Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, So her first response ever came from Randy Bolar. So Randy uh, was, I think he was, like, in his, like, mid-30s at that point. He lived alone in a... Hear this, 360 square foot, one bedroom house. That's Damn, a fucking small shack. As shit. That's a that fucking small shack. As shit. It's like them little ass apartments we were looking at yesterday. Bitch. <laughs> but not for no $1,600. <laughs> <laughs> he was self-employed, as he claimed. And this is a weird fact that I learned and I was just like, Ooh. imagine like meeting this guy for the first time. All right. So he, his autopsy report showed that he had been born with missing fingers and toes and one leg was shorter than the other. Oh, wow. Wild, right? All right. So she, uh, he messages her on Backpage to start talking and all that. And in the midst of them, like, talking and getting to know each other, like, still online, she tells him that she's 19. When in reality, she's 16. Mm -hmm. Um, so they meet up and before long, they were seeing each other every other week. Now, mind you, from the pictures that I saw, Crystal looked every single bit a teenager. Like this girl did not look like an adult. Like if she would have told me she was 19, I would have been like, no, like she looked every bit a child. Um, but they were mean, they were seeing each other every other week. Um, He took her on dates, and I'm saying this in quotes because a grown-ass man with a teen uh, taking her on dates does not sound good. Uh, Took her shopping, he gave her money, he got her a phone, and at one point he got her a gold heart pendant. But of course, none of these gifts were actually free. He, of course, expected sex as, like, in return for it. So it was like, it wasn't like a gift that was like, oh, here, because I love you. I care about you. It was like, no, this is a business transaction and I expect something from you. So Crystal did admit, of course, that she lied about her age at the beginning at first. But by the summer of 2017, Volar was very much aware that she was underage. And was still Um, full aware. Yep, because on her 17th birthday, he, like, threw her a little, not a party, but it was, like, they both celebrated. He got her some cupcakes, and he introduced her to a new drug. Um, She had never heard of acid, and this was the first time he, like, gave her acid on her 17th birthday. You gonna try something you've never heard of? Well, remember, he is, like, giving her money. Like, you know. Okay, okay. There's, yeah. There's a lot of, like, stuff where you just, like, when you first hear it, you're like, come on now, come on now. But at the same time, you got to put yourself in her shoes where it's, like, this is this teenager who's very clearly, like, like, is it, valuable. Yeah. And here's this guy who's giving her this money and this security and all that. Like, if he tells you, oh, here, try this, 
you're gonna do it because like you don't know if that's gonna like be your next meal or something like that fair um so he gives her acid um and a couple she like didn't like it she said it made her feel weird she didn't feel comfortable with it whatever so a couple weeks later, Crystal is actually arrested for fleeing from a police officer after she was pulled over for driving a stolen vehicle that her brother had let her borrow, but it turns out that it was stolen. Um, and she tried to flee from the police officer. She served 55 days in jail and her bond was reduced to $400, which Bolar paid. Um, mm-hmm. So of course, he paid for her freedom. I'm saying this in quotes. Mm-hmm. For her freedom. So of course now he's expecting some like fucking sexual shit from her yuck so he made it clear what he wanted um they didn't say what and i probably wouldn't say what it was um but he like wanted some sort of like sex acts from her and she told him that she was not comfortable she didn't want to do it anymore but he wasn't taking no for an answer and like Mm -hmm. things like got very like threatening towards her like he started threatening her Mm-hmm. So after all this, um, Crystal tries to cut Volar out of her life, um, and she had moved back in with her um, boyfriend, Delane, um, who was abusive, remember? Um, and she told Volar that they couldn't see each other, um, that she was trying to get serious with her boyfriend so that he needed to leave her alone. But Volar started turning violent. He was threatening to kill her if she stopped talking to him. And in May of 2018, just a month before um, the murder, Crystal's boyfriend um, started getting suspicious um, because he said he felt like someone was following them. He noticed something weird was going on. So he got her a gun and uh, taught her how to shoot and told her to keep it on her at all times. So this Volar dude was clearly like throwing up red flags to her boyfriend to the point where he needed to get her some protection. Okay. So on June 4th, just hours before the uh, murder, uh, Crystal had to appear in court to plead guilty to that fleeing charge from, at this point, it's a year earlier. Um, so Delane, her boyfriend, went with her, but by the end of the day, they were already fighting. They were, like, arguing and shit, and he turned abusive towards her, violent. So Crystal, in despair, texted Volar and was like, can I come over? can I stay with you? He said yes. And at 8.42 p.m., the Uber picked her up. So, like, just put yourself in, like, her shoes where, like, she's living, she's trying to run away from this fucking pedophile. She goes Mm -hmm. with her abusive boyfriend, and now her boyfriend is a threat to her to the point where she needs to go back to that fucking pedophile to find some sort of, like, safe haven. Right. That shit is insane. She goes from one terrible situation to another one. Right. Thinking, well, this is a little better. Like, a fucking pedophile is a little better better than, like, her boyfriend. Like, that shit is insane to think of. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, like, she gets to Volar's house. They ordered some pizza. They were smoking, drinking, watching movies. And he, again, offers her a drug. Now, she didn't say if it was acid. She said it was a drug that she never heard of, so it might have been something different. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, But she said she took it and started feeling weird. So um, he uh, starts moving, like, closer to her. After he gives her the drug, he starts moving closer to her on the couch, starts, like, feeling up on her and stuff. And she, like, very quickly, like, clenches up, jumps up, and she says, like, I don't want to do this. I'm trying to change. Like, this is not the stuff that I, like, want to do anymore. But he Mm -hmm. told her that he, that she owes him for, like, paying her bail that one time or whatever. Which, oh, wow. like, fucking pedophile, fucking abuser. Sounds yeah, just, just like manipulating her. Like, I'm exactly. only doing something so I can get something from you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so as she's, like, trying to get away from him, she, like, gets up off the couch. But since she's, like, on that drug, she um, trips, falls onto the floor, and he, like, gets on top of her while she's on the floor. Um, he's like trying to rip her jeans off and then like in all this tussle of like her trying to get away from him becomes a blur and the next thing she remembers is just the pops of the gun um she doesn't remember like grabbing the gun she doesn't remember going for the gun it's just the next thing she knows she shot him and now what the fuck am i gonna do damn So so she was probably blacked out from the drugs and also probably in a state of fight or flight so exactly it's like if you think 
like just like in your right mind how many times like you've been either so panicked or so angry that like you black out and then Mm -hmm. put on top of that you're drugged you've been drinking and smoking Mm -hmm. like it's rational that like you can't really remember right um but yeah so the next thing she does like in a state of panic she remembers that um watching like a ton of criminal minds like we do um (laughs) i literally spent all day today watching fucking dateline (laughs) (laughs) and yesterday was the first 48 um so she remembers um that on like certain episodes people like burn the crime scene so she Mm -hmm. grabs like liquor that's laying around she pours it everywhere and starts the fire um and that's the fire that was reported that morning on june 5th Mm -hmm. so that's that story so the next story remember in the beginning when i told you about that child runaway case Mm -hmm. all right so this is where we're going to get into more detail about it all right so this was way more than a runaway child report it was actually a sex crimes investigation that had been underway for months it began with another 911 call to Volar's house, um, and this one was just before 1 a.m. on February 12th, 2018. So February, March, April, May. So about four months before his murder, um, this 911 wall came in. Did I say, what did I say? 911 call or 911 wall? 911 call. Um, So, according to the police reports obtained by the uh, Washington Post, a 15-year-old girl called from Volar's house, and she told dispatchers that a man had given her drugs, and now he was going to kill her. And then she hung up. So, that's not the first time um, that he has threatened to kill a young girl or has drugged her. Mm -hmm. Um, So, officers found her wandering the streets, wearing only a bra under her uh, unzipped jacket, her pupils were, were, like, super dilated from the drugs, and it turns out that she had actually taken, well, he had given her LSD, and that's, like, wow. the drug. Yeah. Um, the girl eventually told police that she had met Volar the year before, when she was fucking 14 years old. Oh, so he liked little girls. It wasn't oh. just, like, a one-off shoot. It, he no. liked little girls. Okay. Yes when he had like he had met her when he was responding to another back page ad um so this was not new to him or anything like that he met her on back page which uh of course as y'all know was like a huge like it's not even up anymore because it was like human trafficking sex trafficking like fucking it was like google for fucking sex trafficking um but um the girl said that he had paid her 250 dollars the first time to have sex the first time they met when she was just 14, just a reminder in case y'all forgot, and then a hundred times each time after that. Wow. Um, she said that Volar knew very well that she was underage, a fucking child, because she actually asked this motherfucker, why don't you find women your own age? And he said he preferred the bodies of young girls. Ugh. Yes. Did I say he was white? Did I say that? I feel like I have to say I, it. I mean, it was implied to me, but, okay, you know. Okay, good. Because we're on the same page, but I just need to make it clear. This motherfucker was white. Um, so, in December of 2017, the girl ran away um, from home, um, and she actually moved in with Volar, um, who, and she was, like, 15 at that point. So, a 15-year-old living with a fucking mid 30 year old or whatever so he gave her money took her shopping and even like this is disgusting he took her to dinner to meet his mother what yes exactly um and she said that um he was sexually abusing multiple girls not just her at the same time and he would film it so as a result of this with these people with filming their atrocities Bruh. Well, <laughs> just wait. We'll get to as like why he was doing that shit. Okay. All right. So uh, that nine one one call. Um, as a result of it, um, on February twenty second, two thousand eighteen, police searched this motherfucker's house. 
They confiscated laptops, hard drives, memory cards, along with women's pajamas, bikini bottoms, underwear, and hundreds of child pornography videos featuring girls who appear as young as 12 and more than 20 home videos of him with underage. Um, they were all black girls. Okay. Like so they were all tight. these under Yeah, exactly. So he was arrested on charges of child enticement, um, using a computer to facilitate a child sex crime and second degree sexual assault of a child, a, a felony which is punishable by, by up to 40 years in state prison. But on the same day that he was arrested, he was released. He paid no bail and was only told that he would be summoned to court. But that court summons never came because it took three whole fucking months for the police to send the case to the district attorney's office. And 12 days after that, this motherfucker was dead. So he never went to court. It was like all pending when he died. Oh my God. Crazy. So remember how I said he like lived in that 300 square foot shack? Mm -hmm. Well, on the day, like on the day that they, like June 5th, when they called in and he was dead or whatever, um, they actually received this random coincidental as fuck call from his bank where $800,000 in assets were being stored mm -hmm. because the bank had red flagged a lot of like transactions um, because even though he said he was like self-employed and that he traded in cryptocurrency it turns out that he had almost $1.5 million in transfers um, to that bank that looked like human trafficking. So like sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. So he said that it was like cryptocurrency and he traded it, but it was like some dark web shit that the bank had actually noticed, had flagged, and they were now calling the police like, hey, we have this motherfucker that's doing some suspicious shit. Y'all mm -hmm. should look into it. And it just so happened that they called on the same day he was found dead. Wow. Wild. So Dang. so they basically just him dying kind of fucked them up finding like probably other people. Yeah, for sure. He, for sure. Because he probably could have if he was living, he probably could connect them to other people in the ring or whatever. Although, like I don't see him helping the police. He probably would have. Never mind, I'm not going to go there. But, no. okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, in those videos that, like, they had confiscated from his laptop and all that um, after his death, it turns out that there was a couple of videos where he described himself as an escort trainer. So, in a video, he's seen instructing a young girl saying what she should do to keep her body parts in order to become a better sex worker. Ew. Yes. Um, and Crystal would later tell the Washington Post in an interview um, that he sold her through Backpage um, to other people, that he would make her post ads, and then he would drive her to different hotels where these men would spend an average of 30 minutes with her, and then she would have to give him all her money that she made that night because of him. Mm -hmm. um, and he was, like, selling, like, those that recording and shit that he was like recording himself abusing these like teen girls, he did it so that he could then sell it on the dark web. And that's how he made his money. Wow. All right. So um, that's basically like the story. And now we're going to get into what's going on right now because it is still like an active trial, an active case. Okay. Um, so in the last few months, the prosecution, um, of course, the prosecution, like, is making it very black and white, but black and white, not in, like, a good way. It's more of, like, she's this evil, young person of color who killed this poor white guy who was a victim, and he didn't deserve it, and blah de blah blah right? Per usual. <sighs> okay. Um, but, of course, like, regardless of what went down that night, we can't forget the fact that this motherfucker was a child abuser. Right. He was making child abuse videos. Right. Like, we can't forget that. Like, there's, like, no way that you can, like, I feel like the prosecution, what they're trying to do is just, like, completely erase the shit that he did. So, because the prosecution was trying to, like, go so hard on Crystal and, like, make it seem like Volar didn't do shit to her and, like, she was just this crazy-ass girl, 
her attorneys um, believe that she qualified for Wisconsin's affirmative defense law, which would allow uh-huh. her to argue that her crime was a direct result of the trafficking that she in- experienced, which is true. Like, had she not been trafficked by this motherfucker, she wouldn't have killed him. Like, had she not been in the situation, he would still be alive, even though that wouldn't really be great because he's a fucking abuser. Um, but in December of 2019, so just a couple months ago, the judge ruled that Kaiser, Crystal, um, could not use that as a defense. Why? I don't fucking know, but I'm assuming racism. Um, and Crystal's attorneys have now appealed that decision. And the last thing that I read was um, that she was supposed to appear in court in March, but due to this whole uh, coronavirus, I'm not really sure that that happened because I didn't see an update or anything. So I'm assuming it's been pushed back again. Her bond, though, was changed from that initial million dollars to $400,000, which is still an insane amount, but there are victims' rights organizations that are currently trying to raise that money to get her out. Um, So the trial is still pending. Um, We will see. I feel like this case is very similar to, to Centoya Brown, where it's like it might take a while for her to be set free, but I really feel like, if anything, rehabilitation or fucking therapy would be fucking great in this case. Right. Uh, because this girl was abused and this girl does not deserve to be in jail for the rest of her life. And this motherfucker does not like deserve to be seen as like a victim in all this. Like he is clearly the perpetrator. And his dad, of course, is like sitting in the trials and all that, saying that he was like a great kid and whatever. And it's like he's not a fucking kid. He was a 30-year-old motherfucker who abused teen girls. Teen, specifically black girls, because as we know, it's so much easier to just, like, abuse these girls and no one will care. Yeah. No one will stand up for them. And it's fucked up. And it's insane. But yeah, that was the case. (laughs) I just burnt my bed. Yeah, it's funny you, you mentioned Satoya because that was the first person I thought of when you started yep. talking about the case. Yep. It's like these girls get into these situations and like they have no choice but to defend themselves. Right. And like even saying like I didn't want to say like get into these situations because it feels like, oh, they did it willingly and they knew what was going to happen. It's like they sure they get themselves into these situations at first thinking this will help me. This will be like helpful i can like whatever like they feel Uh like this is like their savior but then at the end of the day like they don't deserve to be abused they don't deserve they don't deserve this shit they don't they don't just because you choose sex work as your profession or whatever well in this case they had no choice it was a survival thing but just because you choose that does not mean that like you said you deserve to be abused or taken advantage of or exploited is the word i was looking for so that's ridiculous now well hopefully i hope that hopefully she can get a fair case and they actually see it the right way that she was i hope it doesn't take as long as it took for fucking centoya brown yeah exactly wow i mean with with larona out here um (laughs) it might be a while anyway Lord have mercy. Yeah, that was my case. That was your case. Okay, let me pull up mine. So I am doing the Hulaver. Is that how you pronounce it? Hulaver. Spell it. W H O L A V E R. Hulaver. Fuck if I know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, the Hulaver murders um, that happened. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that happened on a uh, christmas day of 2002 in middleton pennsylvania oh god damn 2002 yeah that's when my brother was born <laughs> i think i that was my freshman year of high school i think i think i graduated in 05 so yeah something like that all right i guess i don't know i can't do math. i don't know math <laughs> not my strong point all right so Let's jump right into this, okay? So, picture it. Sicily, 19... Joking. Um, Oh, I was like, I thought you said Pennsylvania. (laughs) Do you watch Golden Girls? No. Have you ever watched Golden Girls? No. All right. 
So there's a little old lady on there, on, and she every time she tells a story, she's like, picture it, Sicily, 18 or 19, blah, blah, blah. Like, she always oh. has to set the scene when she tells her story, so that's why. I feel like that's one of the shows I need to watch, because I hear a lot about it. Yes, you definitely do. That and um, Living Single. And I think they're both on Hulu. I know who Living Single is. Ah, uh-huh, say less. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Uh, this happened Christmas Eve, December 24, 2002. Um, the Bittman family was preparing for dinner when they noticed that one of their daughters and her two children and the grandchild <laughs> hadn't arrived. So so the, it was their daughter, her two kids, and one of and their And then kids. another random grandchild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the family spent the holidays together, each year having dinner um, christmas eve with everyone staying the night at like the parents house and then they will wake up in the morning to open gifts Mm -hmm. so this year was a little different because this will be the first year that that extra grandbaby um would be coming and also the first year that that daughter was going to arrive without her husband Ooh, so trouble in paradise we shall see so the lady who was supposed to come her name was jean and the family just assumed that Jean and the girls were having car trouble um, as their home was about two and a half hour drive away. Mm-hmm. And when they still hadn't arrived or called by the next morning, which I'm just like, bruh, you waited till the next morning? Yeah. <laughs> um, the family contacted the police and asked them to do a wellness check. So the officer that re- arrived on the scene, name was givler g-i-v-l-e-r look i don't know how these people can't pronounce martinez but they can pronounce these fucking names yep (laughs) just gonna go with what i'm going with um he arrived on the scene and he didn't notice anything suspicious until he went to check the door um that led into the side of the house which seemed to be open on its own almost like it fell open oh um he announced his presence with no response and continued to search the home until he found the first body on the kitchen floor. So, found a body on the kitchen floor. Mm. Who was later identified to be 43-year-old Jean Hulliver. He immediately called for backup, and when they arrived, they began hearing noises coming from the upper level of the home. They went upstairs because they were assuming that they found who killed the person in the kitchen because that was the noise they were hearing mm-hmm. but um instead they found a baby crying laying next to a lifeless body which was the mother 20 year old victoria Hulliver. oh no that's like my worst fear like what if i die my child is like left and then it reminds me of dexter when the baby was just like in the pool of blood just crying yeah I forgot, like, what, I don't know if this was, I feel like it's a real story where, like, the mom was killed and the baby was still, like, trying to feed off of her for, like, weeks. I know. It's terrible. Oh, my God. I hope the baby's okay, because it's probably ingesting stuff. It probably doesn't need to. No. Oh, God. Okay, so, um, investigate, to make matters worse, investigators, um, noted that the baby had been left alone in the house for about 28 hours before she was Holy shit. Okay, so a third body was found in one of the bedrooms laying across the bed in PJs. This was 15-year-old Elizabeth. Um, All bodies were found with a gunshot wound to the head. Elizabeth's body showed evidence of a struggle with burn marks um, to the hand showing that she may have been holding the barrel of the gun trying to stop the assault from hurting her. Fuck. Yeah. So I just came out right out the gate with all the gruesomeness. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> so let's get into the investigation a bit. So detectives had reason to believe that the killer was someone the family knew, which they always do. Evidence such as um, a broken part of the garage and a cut phone line all pointed to this. They began looking at the relationships of the women um, and the ones they had with different people that they knew. Um, first was John's Jean, I don't know why I call her John. <laughs> Jean's Jean, Jean, <laughs> the French in you. <laughs> um, they talked to her estranged husband, Ernest R. Wolliver Jr. Um, in July of 2002, their daughters made accusations. So earlier the same year, made accusations that he had raped them. 
Um, Jean obtained a protection form of abuse order uh, from the courts and Ernest was ordered out of the house and to stay away from the family. He had went on to live with his parents and brother. And when questioned by the police, um, he provided them with an alibi saying that he was out hunting with his brother, Scott, who was also questioned by the police. Mm-mm-mm. Investigators also reached out to Victoria's baby daddy, Frankie. Um, baby daddy. <laughs> baby daddy. <laughs> uh, what made them um, reach out to him was reports from the family that their relationship wasn't the best, sometimes violent, and that the child's paternity was also in question. Uh, Frankly was cooperative and his alibi of running errands with his mother checked out. He then pointed them to the direction of a new guy named Turner Higgins um, that Victoria had been dating and and even lived with at one point. The two had broke up and moved back home to her mother. Um, Turner was said to have been very close to the baby and even questioned if he was the father and was very Um, unhappy when they broke up Mm. even though these things make him seem guilty the police quickly ruled him out due to the alibi checking out um police returned their efforts to investigating Ernest, well holiver after they decided to look further into the sexual assault case that he had um it turned out well that he had that the girls put you know charged him with um it turned out that he was due to appear in court in january of 2003 Um, investigators believe that this was the reason enough for him to murder the girls as they would have had to speak up against them in court. Um, Police obtained a search warrant to look through the home where Ernest was um, staying as well as his car. Um, In his car, they found a notebook where he wrote the exact alibi he gave the police. Idiot. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) Come on now. Do you not watch any of these true crime shows, sir? Just, like, why do you need to write it down? Show. Like, what? <laughs> Jesus. Detectives be, uh, um, again um, picked up on Ernest. They picked him up again, I'm sorry, for questioning, but he refused to speak. And his brother Scott was questioned as well. Um, after being shown pictures from the crime scene, he squealed. So he, like, bitched up after they showed him pictures. Um, they said he started crying and everything. He, he started crying and he went to the car. So, Scott told investigators that the alibi was a lie and that they drove to Middleton that night because Ernest told him that he wanted to get his dog. Can I pet that dog? (laughs) Can I pet that dog? (laughs) (laughs) I hate myself. (laughs) Once in Middleton, Ernest told Scott to stop and let him in the back seat. From there, he directed him to the house. They arrived at the house around 4 a.m. that morning. After seeing that Jean's car was in the driveway, Scott said to Ernest, um, good, underneath his breath, and told him to stay in the car, uh, which was about a block away from the house. Um, So then he ran towards the home, and after about five to ten minutes, he returned, out of breath, telling Scott to drive, um, seemingly shaken as he was saying this. Um, Not telling anything to Scott, um, they drove until they found a wooded area and Ernest told Scott to pull over. Scott confessed to seeing Ernest um, pull out a shotgun and a pistol, um, then went out into the woods. When he returned, they were gone. Ernest made Scott repeat the fake story that he came up with in case they were, um, you know, questioned about their whereabouts. (sighs) Rule number one, never have a fucking accomplice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do it yourself snitch. or don't do it at all <laughs> so uh especially an unwilling accomplice like you just wrote this nigga up into the shit like he didn't know what the fuck was going on. look the only person like the only people i feel like that would work with are my brothers my mom or you right <laughs> maybe my me sister. depends on the situation no i mean like if you came to me like out of nowhere like pulled up to my house we're like bitch you're gonna say this this is it i'll be like all right cool i'm gonna say this this and this yeah but you probably still would chew me out for involving you some shit that you had nothing to do with. of course <laughs> for sure but i mean at the end of the day like if the cops come i'd be like mm, she was like oh no shit the whole time huh? what are you saying like <laughs> no habla inglés <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, 
Okay, so we just talked about how they went over the whole story mm-hmm. in case his whereabouts. So um, this is all what he confessed to the police. So after he confessed that to them, he um, offered um, he offered to show the police the wooded area in Clearfield County um, where Ernest had left the weapons. And once they got there, the police quickly found a rusty 22 revolver. It was difficult for them at first to confirm that it was a murder weapon because the gun and the bullets were both rusted. Um, the gun turned out to be registered to their uncle, which made the connection. Okay. And um, there was no evidence that the shotgun was ever used. How does a gun get rusty? Like, was it a cheap gun? Do guns get rusty? I mean, it's metal. Doesn't metal rust? A certain types of metal, but I know there's like other types of metal that don't get rusty. Maybe it was a cheap-ass old gun. <laughs> Might have been. I have questions. <laughs> yes. Okay. It was a hillbilly gun. <laughs> Somebody made that shit in their own blacksmith shop. <laughs> it wasn't even like a, a, a bought gun. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this trial. Um, Scott was arrested and charged with the murders. Um, and in, in January of 2003, he pe- pled guilty to three counts of third degree murder as an accomplice and received a max of 25 years. Ernest was charged with three counts of one degree, first degree murder. Why did I not put the ST there? First degree murder, but denies everything. Like they always do. Peruge. While in jail, awaiting his trial, Ernest was trying to pin the case on someone else. Investigators found out that he was trying to hire an assassin to kill the father of his grandchild. You know, the guy, Frankie. Bitch. <laughs> Um, from an yep, from another inmate who happened to be an informant. Oh my God! Rule number two: Don't talk in jail. <laughs> are you dumb? These people are in jail because they're not smart. Exactly. Why would you spill the beans? It's like what was there one case where somebody was talking on the phone? Is how dumb are you? Like they tapped them damn. Phone. Or the fucking letters? Like how? Like oh, like trying to be all secretive and it's like you know like. People are they reading read your this mail. shit. Like, are you <laughs> dumb? I mean, you're dumb, but are you dumb? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, he was trying to hire an assassin to kill um, Frankie, and um, and like we just said, they found that out because the person he was talking to was an informant. Mm-hmm. He basically wanted to look like a suicide and have a note left confessing to the murders. It never works that way, all right? Exactly. Um, the DA became involved and had some um, someone pose as an assassin, and conversations between the two were all recorded and submitted for evidence and used in the trial against him. Ernest requested that all evidence obtained during the search be um, suppressed as the search warrants were overboard, in his words. The courts refused and went on with the trial and decided to consult, consolidate his sexual assault charges with the murder case. Wait, what? So basically they decided because of the connection between the fact that he killed them and, and that he assaulted them, mm-hmm. they basically decided to do the sexual assault and the murder case at the same time. Because remember, he was supposed to go to court anyway for that shit. Right. Yeah. Right. So the brother Scott was um, the central witness of the case, along with um, his accounts of the night of the murders. Scott testified that Ernest threatened to kill Jean when she asked for the reports, and he threatened to shoot her specifically. Mm-hmm. Investigators also used surveillance investigators. video. <laughs> investigators. Investigators. <laughs> <laughs> also used surveillance video from a convenience store located halfway between the Holabur residence and Cambria County and Middleton. So it showed proof that they were heading to that direction. Um, in 2004, he was found guilty of the murders, but not of sexual assault charges. He received three death sentences and found guilty of plotting to hire a hitman. Um, also found guilty of killing a prosecution witness, reckless endangerment of a baby, burglary, and conspiracy. God damn. So basically, lock him up, throw away the key. Yeah, they just threw everything at this nigga. Basically. So since his sentencing, Ernest remains on death row, but has tried several times to appeal. In 2018, he exhausted all state-level appeals and is now looking at federal court. Damn. So I forgot to mention my sources at the beginning, too. 
but there's an episode of a show called um, Homicide for the Holidays on Oxygen. It's season two, episode seven called Silent Night, Lethal Night. Um, I, I got a lot of information from pressandjournal.com, caselaw.finelaw.com, and murderpedia.org. The, the go-to, Murderpedia. Yeah. So I'm sorry for all my fuck-ups. I will try to edit them out. But Look, it's our first time back in like four months. They need to expect some sort of fuck ups here. <laughs> I just, I was going so good. I know it was like the very last part where it was like a mess. Exactly. I'm sorry. But it's okay. We'll get there. But yeah, that was that case. Woo! <laughs> Our first episode back. Yay! So that's what happened. Essentially, this nigga decided he wanted to molest his kids and then go murder them. Fucking shit. So he wouldn't have to go to court. Isn't that crazy? So, like, I know this wasn't, like, a big part of it, but, like, I've always had this question for people. Like, so say, like, someone close to you was murdered. hmm And there's, like, a bunch of charges. And they tell you... Well, the only thing that we can 100% guarantee that we can, like, um, find him guilty for is this charge and not, like, okay, say it's, like, some assault battery charge or something, or a kidnapping charge, Mm -hmm. but the person ended up murdered, but they can't 100%, like, try the person on murder, but they can get him on kidnap. Like, there's a lot of, like, these shows and stuff that I watch where, like, the family members of the victim are like, no, this doesn't give us justice. Like, we can't do that. Like, they need to do it for murder. Like, what would you do in that situation? Would that be something you'd be like, yeah, go ahead. Like, anything is okay? Or do you need that, like, murder charge? Do you need them to be found guilty in order for you to be able to move on? I mean, I feel like I would prefer for them to get the sentencing I want them to get. But at the end of the day, we can't control the courts. Right. Right. And they only can be trial, but so many times for the same thing. Right. So you're just going to have to deal with it. Unfortunately. It's like something is better than nothing type thing. Yeah. I mean, but there are some times where, where even when we're doing our research for the pod, where I hear what they get tried for, and I'm like, yo, this isn't right. Like, they should Exactly. Exactly. It's like, so I've, like, started listening to, um, damn, what was that podcast called? Give me one second. It's right here. It won't take that long. Um, The Dating Game Killer by Wondery. It's Ooh. like a new podcast, and it's about, um, what's that, Alcala dude? Is it Randy Alcala? The Game Show Killer? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, so his very first crime was like, basically he had, like, it was like a little eight-year-old girl and he basically left her for dead, like after raping her and beating her and all that. And the thing that they charged him for was child molestation. So of course, years later, when people are looking at his record, it just shows child molestation. It doesn't show any details of the crime. Mm -hmm. so it's like people don't know everything and it's like that's what happens in like a lot of those cases where it's like charge them for one thing and then years later if they come out they could do it again because their file says oh it's only this charge that mm, you know although that could be like debatable or some shit it's right it is wild honestly i feel like people like us where like our faith in the justice system is like it like goes like not really believing in it i feel like we're more like anything is better than nothing like we know it could be a lot worse like y'all could just let this motherfucker walk so yeah yeah. (sighs) oh all right i guess we're done for this week yeah I guess we're done. We'll see you guys in a couple more. We'll figure out a new schedule. I mean, expect things more often now that we figure this shit out. Yeah, we just wanted to get something to you, and I'm telling you from now, because I haven't edited yet, I am sorry for all the fuck-ups. <laughs> <laughs> and if there's any any audio things, we're working out the kinks again, because it's, you know, it's a new way of recording for us. But yeah, we do but appreciate like, you guys. 
if there's if they're like fans they know <laughs> they're uh, used to the fuck-ups <laughs> well i just want to say that we appreciate you guys sticking with us and all yep. of our like inconsistency and hiatuses but we yep. do plan to have more episodes especially with this um quarantine situation coronavirus coronavirus. <laughs> coronavirus but yes please follow us on all social media platforms we do have a twitter we have an instagram we're we're more active on instagram i don't think i've checked twitter in fucking six months or some shit but definitely more active on twitter um i think i mean i mean instagram sorry more active on instagram instagram is connected to facebook so i assume the posts are going to facebook as well um yeah yep that's it Follow us. We love you guys. And um, we'll catch you next time. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And stay your fucking ass home. God Wash damn. your hands. Wash, wash your hands. hands. Wash your ass. And stop hoarding the toilet paper. It's not like toilet paper is not going to save your fucking life. Leave Bruh, some for like, the rest of us. <laughs> I had to go steal toilet paper from my mom's house because I can't find any in the store. Bruh, like we had to go to one costco my dad went to another costco to just get like toilet paper like just to survive out here like y'all are fucking ridiculous i was ridiculous. looking into buying a bidet but them joints are sold out too yeah i just hop in the shower at that point <laughs> yeah i mean we could scrub and it also, afterwards if you're using gloves change your gloves after touching shit because if you use your gloves all fucking day you're not helping anything I'm nope. just saying. Nope. Let, let's be logical out here. Nope. All right. I think that's it. That's our PSA. <laughs> that's our TED Talk. <laughs> I'm going to step off of this soapbox. All right, guys. See you next right. time. See y'all. Bye. Bye. Fuck this shit. I'm out. Mm-mm.